Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year! I'm John, that's Ian. That's me. Uh, we are here for episode 108 of Where Does Your Allegiance Lie? Because we're talking about Ravnica Allegiance previews, because that set is coming out hot on the presses soon. Yeah, we took like two, wait, was it three weeks off? About two, two weeks. Week, week and a half. Wow. We didn't right. record last week. No, yeah, we, we didn't we, record the week other because I was picking Lindsay up from the airport that day. Right. Yes. It's been two weeks. Basically. Hope you had yeah. a great holiday season if that is your thing. If not, hope you had a great last two weeks. Exactly. I know um, I did. And also <laughs> Magic News was kinda like dead ish. It was basically scattered previews and we could have, you know, recorded that week where we only knew about uh spectacle and aftermath afterlife, but we just, just kind of decided we can wait till after after Christmas is over, after the holidays are over, and everybody's back in it. And plus, we're smack dab in the middle of preview season, so it is going to be spicy yep. for the next couple of weeks. Like Johnson, we're also Speaking, recording. We're also recording on Thursday, which is really yep. weird for us because we usually record on Tuesdays. But I had just driven back from New York on Tuesday, and also we knew that previews were starting the next day, so we we're like Thursday. Yeah, spicy. Yeah. Picante. Exactly. Also, before we hop straight in, a couple eyes on the community news. Uh, first up, more uh, immediate, on the 16th of January, starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time. As And then we have the MTG or the, the Ravnica Allegiance MTG Arena Early Access streamer event. Where everyone is who's going to get early access have you know god accounts, four of's of everything, and they'll just bash each other in the face with yeah. magic cards. And remember, also next Friday, January eleventh at eleven a.m. Pacific is the Ravnica Allegiance pre-pre-release. Actually, this is something we haven't mentioned yet because now they've mentioned who's going to be on it. We're going to get Aaron Campbell, Magic Mike's mm-hmm. co-host, uh, Shivam Bot, uh, Commander and uh, Podcast. It's called Commander, but. It's Another podcast. He's one of the hosts there. Limited resources host Marshall Sutcliffe and senior magic designer Gavin Verhey. That's going to be a hey. pretty spicy group of people there. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a whole lot of fun. Also, in the uh, newsing area of magic, uh, the Q2 schedule for the Magic Fest main events has been previewed. So if you're looking to go to Sao Paulo, Niagara Falls, Yokohama, London, Madison, Kitukushu, Providence, Kansas City, Taipei, Washington, D.C., Copenhagen, Seattle, or Dallas. Basically between during- April and June 29th. April and April to June. Yep. Uh, those main events have been, pr- have been put up there as well as the prize payouts for those events. Uh, oh, as an example. Hope you like limited. Niagara- <laughs> <laughs> if you like limited, there's a lot of them in the U.S. that are limited. Uh, Madison as well. Or Madison is limited. Providence is team limited. Uh, D.C. and Seattle are both limited. Uh, Niagara Falls on the U.S. side is Legacy with the fifty thousand uh, dollar prize pool, and the GP that has the highest prize pool is London, which is limited with eighty thousand for the prize pool. Yeah, I think that's kind of a nod to the fact that there's really only like two European GPs in this quarter. Yeah, with- limit the Copenhagen limited ones also fifty, um, and kind of if you want to look at the the other ones, DC is fifty, um, Seattle is sixty five. Uh, and then Sao Paulo, which is modern, is 35, whereas Dallas, to end the quarter, is also modern, and it's also 50,000. Now, so. call me crazy, and I don't know if we've – I honestly haven't seen any release dates for it because I just – I dug around last night because I was curious. But the as-yet-unnamed 
spring Ravnica war set hasn't had a release date yet initially announced, but yeah. given how release sets go, that London limited GP is probably going to be the first G- limited GP of that set. That would be a very safe assumption. Yes. Yeah. That's usually, usually they release it middle to end of April because it's usually around my birthday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. And then there's a good chance that quarter three. So these like, Washington DC and Seattle ones in June that are limited. It's like that's going to be an old format. It's either going to be an old format or even though master sets have been discontinued following Ultimate Masters, they may Wizards may surprise us and put some sort of supplemental draft like set uh in the in that time frame which yeah, you know cuz that was the usual yeah, yeah cuz Washington and Copenhagen are both simultaneously June 15th. Exactly. So I was looking also, at I was looking at Washington and Seattle as my GPs and I'm like they're both limited. <laughs> <laughs> also um the other two gps on this uh part of the schedule that are that are running concurrently is uh gp or gp magic fest niagara falls and magic fest yokohama those are both on april 20th yokohama being modern and niagara falls as i mentioned is legacy yeah uh, i would love to travel up to niagara falls but i don't think i can swing that trip it's a long drive for you it is yeah. but even so i might be playing some legacy in a month yeah a month from now uh, with a team, uh, as yet, I'm not going to name who, but it should be a pretty interesting team. Y- you probably know who these people are in the Magic community if you like remotely follow me on Twitter um, or a bunch of other like cosplayers or other uh, people, I guess, in the uh-huh. MTG Twitter sphere. But yeah, it should be fun. Uh, I'm probably taking the legacy seat and... It was one of like one of the people's like I want the not legacy seat, and the other person's like I want the not modern seat. So well, <laughs> I'm like, well, y- you were also like the other person who's probably taking standard. They are going to be going to uh, SCG Indianapolis, which is the weekend before, so they're going to get a, a crack at first week uh, Ravnica Allegiance standard. How about that? And because of that, they're going to get some time and paper to play it, and I'm just like, eh, you go for it. So, speaking of Ravnica Allegiance in the most awkward as awkward as heck transition, but no, uh, Ravnica Allegiance standard is going to definitely be shaking up from even what we've seen so far. I mean, the big thing, and I didn't we didn't put this on the show notes because I think everyone knows this. Uh, The other five Shocklands are coming out: Hallowed Fountain, Godless Shrine, uh, Breeding Pool, Stomping Grounds, and Blood Crypt. All coming out in this set, which means that the mana in standard is going to be ridiculously good. I the last time mana was this kind of good, you could kind of say it was uh, what was it like BFZ standard BFZ because you had fetch you had fetchable land bases, but those were kind of like situational. But that but, but of, those mana bases were like arguably better than these mana bases. Correct. The last yeah. time we had this combination of duels was uh, Gate Crash and people standard, and that was considered a pretty good standard from what I remember. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who really, really loved that standard format. Yeah. Um, now, there is one big difference between that standard format and this one. And uh, I don't know if Wizards is going to you know surprise us or anything. Uh, but Farseek was in that standard. Uh, Farseek being one in a green sorcery. You may search your library for a plains, island, swamp, or mountain card. Put it into play, then tap shuffle your library. Which let you do really stupid things like, you know... 
go like turn one, uh, elf, turn two, uh, farseek, then turn three, you have five mana and you get to slam a thrag tusk down. Yeah. Oh, right. We also have, oh God, we have land or elves, don't we? We do. <laughs> now, now, now I don't think wizards is going to print farseek. Um, they didn't print it last set. I doubt they'll print it this set, but you know, they, they could surprise us. Um, but the mana is going to be very, very good. And we've already seen a little bit of how, what, what pretty good mana can do with like Jeskai control decks. But now you were going to get like good mana for the other three color combinations, like Bant. Uh, we're going to get really good, um, Abzan, or not, we, we had good Abzan mana. We'll get really good Mardu mana. We're going to get, we're going to get even better Jund mana. We're going to get better Abzan mana because we're going to have white black now as well. Yeah. And then, you know, how everyone was, you know, freaking out last season about Goblin Chain Whirler plus status and statue or statue, which was the, um, black statue or status is the black green instant. Uh, that says target creature gets plus one plus one and death touch till end of turn, and you go chain whirler, hold priority with the trigger on the stack, status it, wipe your board. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a there's a couple board wipes that you can do combo comboing cards nowadays in standard. We'll get to that. We'll in a talk. Little to, bit. We'll talk to them for sure. But let's yeah. let's get into those cards. Um, the one of the very first cards we actually saw, uh, was Rick's Mahdi Reveler. Now, John, what's that do? So Rick's Mahdi Reveler is a one and a red two two human shaman at rare. Uh, it says when Rick's Mighty Reveler enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw a card. You know, so this is actually really important because if Rick's Mighty Reveler is the last card in your hand and you play him, you just draw a card, which yeah. is really good. Yeah, so the funny thing about this uh, with Rick's Mighty Reveler is essentially the whole discard your hand or discard a, or you know discard your hand, draw three cards was an absolute callback to Bedlam Reveler. And the name of it is supposed to be that. So I, I posited once this card was for, revealed, like, yo, let's call this like the discard your hand, draw three cards, just reveling. But because, you know, we have looting and yes, but so I, I was like, OK, cool. It was supposed to be a direct shout. I think Gavin confirmed it. Uh, A.E. Marling was oh, the one a. who named yeah. the card. Yeah, he was the one yeah. who confirmed it. Now, it was, I did. I did not mention the spectacle half of this card because this has spectacle, which is the Rakdos ability. Yeah. Uh, spectacle in the spectacle is always a cost. Uh, you may cast the spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. What causes loss of life? Well, damage, life loss. That's basically what happens. Um, so in Risk Mighty Reveler's case, the spectacle is two black red. And then if Risk Mighty Reveler's spectacle cost was paid, instead you discard your hand and draw three See, cards. That's as opposed reveling. to discarding one and then drawing one. Yeah. It, it seems it, interesting. It I gives, think it's very, very powerful. It gives red black carded some card advantage that it doesn't usually get. I think it's going to be very, very good. Um, I definitely look forward to playing with this card quite a bit. Um, thanks to my proclivity to, you know, red spells. Yeah. And beating face. This definitely feels like something you would play. Now, my, my big quandary right now is that I know I'm putting this in my cube. That's that's not a question. It's a good cube card. My question is, is it a mono red card or is it a Rakdos card? Rakdos. And I don't know what the answer is. I think it's a Rakdos just because... But Mono Red would just play this card even if it had no black mana. That is true, because it does rummage. Yeah. It rummages, on, two -two it rummages on the face, and if you just have incidental... Yeah, you can revel if you want. So Yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, that's... It is a... It's a solid card. Like, I love yeah. that design space. Well done, yeah. Wizards. Next card. Anyways, we'll move on to the next card, which is tithe taker uh this says the new afterlife ability from uh from orzov so ian what does tithe taker do so it is a one in a white human soldier uh for 
It's a 2-1, so it's a Piker. Uh, during your turn, spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast, and abilities your opponent's activate cost one more to activate unless they're mana abilities. So this is just literally putting attacks. It's it's mana tithing, essentially, but not countering. Yeah, it's like a weird combination of Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, and Grand Abolisher. Yeah, so it's a, it's a weird tax ability, like, you know, tithe, whatever you want to call it. But it has Afterlife 1, so which when this creature dies, create a 1-1 white and black spirit creature token with flying. So it's a Piker. It's probably going to die to a Stiff Wind, but you get a flyer out of it, so yeah. And the way that Afterlife works is it's Afterlife and a number, and then that number is the number of 1-1 spirits with flying you get. It doesn't it doesn't scale the size of the token, it just gives you that many tokens. Yeah, and remember, it says when it dies. So if it gets exiled for some reason, which there are cards that will do it. In, in standard right now, we've got Lava Coil, so. Right, well, there, we, there are some other cards that were unveiled, but. We're definitely getting. Probably to. not going to. I don't know if we're talking about that one. Are we going to talk about that one? We can. We'll get to it. Maybe we'll get to it to now or later. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, either way, there's there's going to be cards coming up that will deal with it. Because uh, play design has been very good about making sure that every card has efficient answers to it. Yeah, there's the the release. We'll talk about more release valves too, but it, it yep. definitely there's the checks in place are great. Yep. So speaking, <laughs> oof, yeah, this card, uh, John. What's emergency yeah. powers? So emergency powers is uh, the only story spotlight card we've seen so far uh, as, as of time of recording, uh, and it features the new um, Azorius ability called Addendum. Uh, the Emergency Powers card itself is 5 white-blue for an instant at Mythic. It says each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library, then draws 7 cards, exile Emergency Powers. So it's an instant speed time twister, which uh, a lot of people, when Days Undoing was previewed uh, back in Magic Origins, were freaking out because it was time twister. But at 3 mana at sorcery speed, uh, but then it said if, it was, if you cast it on your turn, you end the turn. And everyone would kept trying to figure out how ways to abuse it to make an instant. Well, emergency powers just gives it to you at instant speed. Yeah, and the funny part is, is nobody ever played Days Undoing. Not really, no. no. That said, emergency powers has another line of text, which is the addendum text, which says, if you cast the spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent card with converted mana cost seven or less from your hand onto the battlefield. So you shuffle up, you pull your you pull your new grip of seven, you look at your hand, and you go. You know, here's a great win condition or, you know, a land or whatever. And you just got to put a big thing into play. If you're playing blue-white, that may be a Teferi or it could be some other major win condition. Could be a big enchantment. Uh, thankfully, you can't put Omniscience into play with emergency powers. That would be stupid. Um, that would be bad. That would be really bad for reals. Um, bad. But yeah, so emergency powers is a very powerful card, especially just naturally being an instant. But also, you don't necessarily want to play this in the decks you are thinking about playing it in. Like, this is not a blue-white control card, because blue-white control wants to empty out your opponent's threats, and then you cast this, and sure, you draw all your answers again, but they also draw all their threats again, and it's not an even trade, necessarily. This is a, yeah, this is a card that's gonna, I have a feeling people are going, uh, the Aliantrazi, people who like building the weird, like, Lich's Mastery style decks. They're going to try actually. This is this is honestly terrible with Lich's with with Lich's master. Oh no 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 no! I'm saying this like the people who build those crazy brews. Yes, the brewmasters are going to try and break this card. Now I do want to say this because I think a lot of people may not understand this. Addendum does not say you cast it as a sorcery. It just says you cast it in your main phase. 
So let's say that I cast something at my main phase, and then Ian, you decide to counter it or do something else on, in response to that spell. I can then cast emergency powers on my main phase at instant speed and get the addendum text. Yeah, it's so kind of nuts. Not like, yeah, so it's not one of those things where it's, you know, you have to cast this when the stack is empty. No, you just have to cast it on your main phase. Right, and that's why it says um, it doesn't have the, it says if you cast it on your main phase, not if you cast this when you, like, as you would a sorcery. Exactly. So that's how you get around that kind of thing. It, you'd have to have like nine mana or eight mana if you're like opt. <laughs> yeah. And, opt, on, and, and, opt on the stack. <laughs> Emergency powers. <yeah>. But whatever. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't obviously matter that much. But I mean, opt, opt on the stack, hold priority, cast this is a kind of good way to make yourself have a grip of seven after also putting something on the battlefield. Sure. I don't know if I'm all, all in on that plan, but it wouldn't be the worst. It's just cheeky and fun. It is very cheeky and fun. Anyway. Uh, next, uh, we're going to talk about the Gruul ability, which is very, very good. And the card that we got previewed first was Gruul Spellbreaker. So, Ian, what does the Spellbreaker do? So, Gruul Spellbreaker is a card that I'm going to die to a lot in <laughs> uh, Canadian Highlander to yes, you are. Lindsay. Uh, Gruul Spellbreaker is a one green or one red and a green 3-3 three, three creature ogre warrior with Riot. It's, which is this creature enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste uh we'll talk about that in a second but it's also a trample and as long as it's your turn you and gruel spellbreaker have hexproof now this is a fixed tribute ability now specifically this is the tribute ability from fanatic of xenagos uh, fanatic of xenagos is a was a uh, three mana three three that your opponent got the choice of either giving it haste or putting a plus plus encounter on it. Now remember, giving your opponent a choice is not the greatest thing in the world. But when you get to pick, who boy. Yeah, and then Spellbreaker itself, like you mentioned, it is a control player's worst nightmare. Not only does it does it itself have Hexproof on your turn, meaning that your opponent is going to have to either counter it or kill it on their turn with targeted removal. It also gives you Hexproof, which prevents your opponent, your control opponent, specifically in like standard or maybe some niche cases in modern um of using settle the wreckage yeah oh wow yeah because target player oof yeah jeez yeah that's spice yeah no but i i my uh jeskai mid-ranger control deck if it stumbles even the slightest bit against uh my fiance's red green aggro deck and this card will punish me so much harder for it mm. no this card is insane it's just so I, like we're having that like we mentioned that perfect mana that we're going to have in terms of shockable land bases the color combinations that these cards are going to be able to jam into are going to be really interesting to see like well, you can play this you can play this on turn two. Oh yeah absolutely like it's ridiculous turn two three three haste is amazing turn three or turn two four four with the hexproof thing is nuts mm-hmm. you don't even need to attack with it just make it a four four swinging on turn no. three Choke choke. It's, it is very good. And that's trample. You can't jump block it. Yeah, right? That's like, geez, you're taking a lot of damage off that really early in the game. Uh-huh. So we got a uh, moving on to the Simic. They kind of this they said there was going to be a return ability, but it technically kind of wasn't, but it kinda is. Sort of is. Yeah. So let Zagana Utopian Speaker is uh, so this used to be Prime Speaker, but has kind of moved on from that role. Someone else has taken it. We'll talk about that card a little bit later. But two 
green, blue, 4-4, legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. She's gotten a little bit swoller since last time. When Zagana, Utopian Speaker, enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it, draw a card. She kind of works well with her other self because mm-hmm. tokens. So the, uh, the Simic ability this time is Adapt, and it has an X value to it. Uh, so Zagana's is four blue or four green blue adapt four so if this creature has no plus one plus one counters on it put four plus one plus one counters on it it's like monstrosity that's bad a little bit it i said like but yeah like yeah. this was this was like oh yeah this is their returning mechanic or like it's like hey just copy my homework enough to not tell <laughs> so uh she also says each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample so that's gonna be fun in commander oh yes oh yes now, I will defend Adapt because A, it's not Monstrosity. Because Monstrosity, you could only do once. Um, and then also, we've already seen a couple, and they've already teased that there will be ways of removing those puzzle plus encounters to potentially gain some value in other ways. So, Adapt, adapt or like Adapt Period as a mechanic is actually very, very good. Also, Monstrosity is just a fantastic ability, period. It's, a, it's an amazing mana sink. It lets you do some really, really cool things. There's a reason why it's returned twice since Theros block. Yeah. Once in Conspiracy Set, once in a Commander product. Like, it's a very good mechanic. Yeah, it's one of those they really just knocked out of the park when they designed it. And Adapt is not a fixed version. It's just a tweak. It's a different version. Like, you don't – like, Zagana doesn't become monstrous. So, you know, again, if you remove those counters for some reason, you could then – pay six mana again and then you make her into an, an eight eight again now we, we so, didn't actually put this in our notes but there was a card revealed in russian uh biomancer's familiar it's a bear mm-hmm. the green and blue two two uh that's essentially a training grounds on a sticks activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate this effect can't reduce the amount of mana and ability cost to activate less than one mana so that reduces the adapt costs which is kind of nice but it also has a tap ability. It says tap. The next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus one plus one counters on it. So if you have enough mana, you can pay for adapt, put counters on a creature, then tap by Mancer Familiar, target that creature, and then adapt it again, just making it mm. gigantic. So like as an example, the common creature that's previewed with adapt was Aeromunculus, which is one blue-green for a homunculus mutant at common. It's a two-three flyer with two green-blue adapt one. So with Biomancer's Familiar in play, Aeromunculus only adapts for blue-green, and if you have four mana, two of it green, two of it blue, and Biomancer's Familiar, you could turn Aeromunculus on turn four into a 4-5. Yeah, it, it works decently well with it, which is a nice little synergy. Um, whether or not we're going to see more of this kind of, hey, just ignore if it adapted already kind of thing, or if it's just a one-off on this rare... Either, I assume it's a one-off on the rare, but you never know. Yeah, either way, there might be other ways that they could be like, hey, just disregard ad- if it's already adapted or kind of thing like that. So, mm-hmm. But I mentioned somebody else took over Prime Speaker. Yeah, so Command Zone got Prime Speaker Vanifar. Uh, she is a 2 blue-green, 2-4 legendary creature elf ooze wizard at Mythic. Uh, Mark Rosewater finally got to make his legendary ooze. Yes. Even if it is also an elf wizard. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Prime Speaker Vanifor has one ability. It says tap, comma, sacrifice another creature, colon. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shelf your library. Activate its ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. John? Yeah. I've, I've seen that text before. 
I have too, because that was on the card Birthing Pod, uh, which is banned in modern. Yeah, so the, everyone's favorite three in a Phyrexian green uh, also pay one in a Phyrexian green to, to do the same thing. Uh, there's no mana cost with uh, Prime Speaker's tap sack ability. However, Ooh. it will come down on turn four, not turn three. It, or turn two. Or turn two. Uh, it also you know, is uh, summoning sick. So you have a turn to remove it. Mm-hmm. It dies to Lava Coil. It dies to a lot of things. Uh, that said, Birthing Pod is back. Pseudo. Sort Yay. Of. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as Birthing Pod, and no one will claim it's as good as Birthing Pod. Because it's a creature, and creatures are fragile. Like, in, in modern, you have Path to Exile and Fatal Push that just kill it outright, John, for the most part. Yeah. Birthing Pod is a commander. Well, that's also the other thing. <laughs> they, they made Birthing Pod the commander. Uh, granted, you're restricted to blue-green if you want Vanifar as your commander. Um, and there's certain cards that you won't be able to play for for like certain certain combos. Like you can't play Kitchen Finks in a Prime Speaker Vanifar deck. You can't. No, it's green white. Oh right, yeah. Even the hybrid hybrid mana. Mana. yeah, the hybrid yeah. man. Right. Um, look, I don't play a lot of Commander Man. <laughs> I understand. Now, <laughs> the other thing with is that Prime Speaker Vanifar being a creature is actually a bonus. Yes, because of things like Coral Helm Retreat. Which whenever you play a land, you can untap a creature. There was a there was a combo chain that I saw someone pull off where it's like, okay, so you have so you go Dryad Arbor, you pod that away into Veteran Explorer, you sacrifice Veteran Explorer to Prime Speaker Vanifar, get a couple lands, get two untaps, uh, get some random two drop, then you get or get Scrib Ranger as a two drop, then you get um, what else as a three drop, get another land drop. Get Solemn Simulacrum from Solemn Simulacrum. Uh, I forgot what the five drop was, but the six drop was prime time. Um, this is in modern, by the way. This isn't commander. And then you can just immediately go up to a seven. Ugh. Ugh. Um, Gross. But And then this also works with um, Intruder Alarm <laughs> because Intruder Alarm says, all you know, creatures don't untap during their controller's untap step. But whenever a creature comes into play, you untap all creatures. So you can do the same chain similar there. You can go Dryad Arbor into whatever one drop whatever two drop and just however you want to go up the chain by the way i hope you have intruder alarm already purchased because if you look on mtg goldfish at the time of our recording it says it's seven dollars and 41 cents for the stronghold version and the eighth edition version however if you go over to tcg player at this current time uh, the site is loading but it was like twenty dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> before we started the show uh yeah yeah the, the cheapest moderately played version right now on tcd player is 18 dollars. if you want near but also if you want near mint 25 dollars. but also this is a legendary ooze so you finally have a legendary ooze whose name isn't Kraj. but you can pair with Kraj pretty nicely you can pair with Kraj pretty nicely um oh god you can make Kraj into a birthing pod yo <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's why I said they Price Maker Vanicar is very, very exciting for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it, it's it's cool to see them trying to get something that's banned again, like that's banned back, but in a f- more fragile way. Because also remember, mm. she dies to like fatal push. She does do a lot of things. Also, I think this card's gonna be better in standard than people expect. I I fully expect to die to a Prime Speaker deck. At least once in standard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I also expect to die to this next card because, oh boy. Oh God. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I heard you like, hoof, there it is. I mean, this is more of, what was it? 
Creator uh, Creator Hog Behemoth. Yep, That's Creator Hog Behemoth. Yeah, Creator Hog Behemoth. So it's Endrace Forerunners for the same cost as Creator Hog Behemoth. So it's five green, green, green. You get a Vigilant Trample Hasty 7-7 creature boar at rare. Uh, when Endrace Forerunners enters the battlefield, all other creatures you control gain vigilant or plus two plus two vigilance and trample until end of turn. It doesn't kill you as bad as Craterhoof does, because Craterhoof just gives plus X plus X and trample. Craterhoof just was like, what? Eat, eat it. Yeah. Get hoofed. And uh, but this card is very, very good. Oh, it's a big pig. It is it is it is the biggest pig as far as well, I'm aware. Many big pigs, I should say, because it's um, the forerunners. But yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot of them in that art. It's a uh, who who got this one? Uh, this oh, was Kibler. Kibler. Yeah, Kibler got this one because Kibler likes playing big dumb green idiots. I mean, this is and dragons. Like it's very on brand. So the thing is, is that there's going to be ways to cheat mana. Uh, the thing I was thinking, like, hmm, which would probably want to play this? I'm like, wow, this is amazing finisher for like a Selesnya token deck, uh-huh. especially if you go the route of Nick Prince, who loves doing his uh what's it called a song of fraley's yeah version where everything starts tapping for mana where you can just have like four creatures just tap for mana i will i will say that this card would be an amazing card to pair with growing rights of itlamok make yourself a guy's cradle oh boy <laughs> yeah I, I would love to see gaia's cradle in standard because <laughs> nobody's playing that card and i feel like it's not it not being played is kind of weird. A little bit, yeah. Especially with some of those like token decks. I mean, I guess it's not the greatest thing to play because it doesn't no. really affect the board necessarily, but dang. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that'd be yeah. fun to brew. Uh, so we talked a little while ago, briefly mentioned board wipes. Build your own board wipes. Yeah. So do you want to walk through this or do you want to at least walk through I, the card I, and I'll mention the board, wa- the yeah, board wipe that I saw right it. off the bat? So the card is, was previewed by Amaz. It is Pestilent Spirit. It is two and a black for a 3-2 creature spirit at rare. It has Menace and Death Touch, which is a really nasty combination for limited. Uh, but the line of text that has everybody excited is instant and sorcery spells you control have Death Touch. We've never really seen this. Like We have not seen this ability. We have, we have cards like Soulfire Grandmaster and Firesong and, Fire Sunspeaker, Song and Sunspeaker that give spells lifelink. But not never Death Touch. So... The thing that instantly hit me was, or so, so if you really want to get super cheeky with it, you could go Electricery from the last Ravnica block, which is a red deal uh, one damage to target creature and opponent controls, or had uh, Overload, which you pay one in a red and it deals one damage to every creature and opponent controls. If you have mm-hmm. that, you literally just instant board wipe because every that one damage is one death touch damage. But it we is definitely build your own. Board do light. have a card in standard right now that it's kind of a little more expensive. So you could curve Pestilent Spirit into this because it's a four mana card. But Cosmotronic Wave for three and a red uh, deals one damage to each creature an opponent controls. Those creatures can't block this turn. Doesn't matter if they can't block because they're all dead. But- There's also Radiating Lightning from Dominaria two and a or three and a red for an instant. I believe deal three damage to target player and one damage to each creature that player controls. Yeah, there's. A- couple spells that pair nastily well with this card mm-hmm. it it is going to be very interesting to see where this lands because the body is a little fragile it's it is a three two but you know it sticks around for a little bit and you're able to get some advantage from your you know burn spells because you're probably playing this in rakdos 
it's just going to be insane. Yeah, like any kind of split the damage between this and this is just ugh. Yeah. For example, there was a card previewed from uh, Magic Brazil, which is uh, Carnival and Carnage as a as a split card. The front side is a red black hybrid for an instant that deals one damage to target creature or planeswalker and one damage to that permanent's controller. So you play this, you play Carnival, and then you just ping one of their things and kill it. Yeah, it's it, it's gross. The, the other half of it is uh, Carnage. I believe it's called. I believe it's, it's Carnage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's two black red for a sorcery. Uh, Carnage deals three damage to target player, and that player discards two cards. I mean, I was like, eh, it seems kind of weak, but I mean, three damage and discard two is... It is one mana more than Blightning. A little bit of a beating? It's a little bit of a beating. Uh, but yeah, Pestilent Spirit has definitely gotten a lot of people you know, excited about possibly what's coming down the pike, because that card, like, there's a lot of really ambitious designs in this set, like there were in Guilds of Ravnica. They're getting a lot of people excited, like... If you had told people that, hey, Wizards is going to print a um, a a creature version of Birthing Pod, a new version of Crater Hoof, and like a card, and then a Soulfire Grandmaster for Death Touch, I don't know if people would have believed you. Yeah, all in one. Like set. a mini overrun on a creature. Yeah, that's like already a seven seven Vigilant Trample Haste is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of weird design space, <laughs> do you like coin flips? Oh, baby. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming the judge and you is like, ugh, but... Well, you can just roll dice. It's fine. Yeah. So Rakdos, the showstopper for four black and a red is the uh, mythic Rakdos card. Obviously, it's the guy the guild's named after. Anyway, he's a 6-6 six, six with Flample, so Flying Trample. But when, he, when Rakdos, the showstopper, enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails entertain me now this is a flavor text um yeah that's fun so bottom line i'm okay paying six mana for a six six flample it's not great i mean i could pay that i could pay five mana and get doom whisperer but rakdos has the ability to possibly wipe an opponent's board um and people <laughs> so if you didn't already have a crux a crux thumb which yeah like gives you an additional coin flip for each time you would flip a coin that gives you two chances to kill a creature which is kind of fun mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's some people are like i really don't like coin flips other people are like yes this card i love it um <laughs> like like john said also a six six a six six flying trample for six is perfectly fine stats and the, the fact you can just basically kill everything else is nuts and it, it is your creatures too by the way yeah, yeah. so just play only devon de- uh, demons devils and imps yeah simple uh now that said of all the cards previewed, this is the one I want to see on Arena most. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know James also is like, this is the first card that I've seen previewed. It's like, I want to see the animation for this. Yeah. It's going to be now, good. Speaking of other cards that have gotten people excited. Um, speaking of other things dying, too. Jeez. Yeah. Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, <laughs> has a known proclivity <laughs> for Panharmonicon, which is a very good card, and it's very, very powerful. and. This was previewed by uh, Alias V, and it is Tasa Karlov. Uh, she is two white black for a 2-4 legendary creature human advisor. Uh, she says, creature tokens you control have Vigilant and Lifelink, which pays, which, you know, works well with the uh, themes of Orzov with Afterlife and making a bunch of token spirits. They already have, they have flying, so they get Vigilance and Lifelink and all that fun stuff. But if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, 
that ability triggers an additional time. Tesa is the ultimate, ultimate aristocrats commander. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know who you could pick that's any better unless you maybe wanted like a three-color creature. Or a three yeah, it's, color like, deck. it's like maybe Alinda, because, you know, when she dies, she makes a bunch of things. Well, but no, Tesa and Alinda are best friends. No, they are. They definitely go in the same deck, and regardless put, of which one you want to put. Put that first. Revelark in there, too. Have fun. Yeah. There's a lot of, like... I believe, I believe Sam Black is the one who's popularized as saying that the most powerful thing you can do in magic is sacrificing your own creatures. Oh, yeah. Well, it's really because, what's like, crazy, too, is she's got the creature tokens you control have Vigilance and Lifelink. Like, that's nuts. There's yeah. already some white-based, like, token decks, and obviously Orzov's going to push that hard to maybe Abzan. Uh, at least the Silesian ones might push Abzan. That's- Tasted plays very well with History of Banalia. Oh, God. Why? Also, all those little sap- sappy boys become a uh, nice and uh, mm-hmm. thing. So plays well, Slimefoot. Yep. Uh, plays well. I like them have Death Touch, but does play very well with Slimefoot. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, who boy, that's a card. She's good. Straight yeah. up. Oh, also sick Magali Arting. So. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about a card that um, everyone has been discussing over the past day because this was previewed yesterday by Wedge. Um, and everyone kind of knew who the Planeswalkers were going to be for this set based on key art that's been previewed and just being able to deduce things. There's going to be Domri. We haven't seen Domri's new card yet, but it's coming down the pike soon. Probably this week. Uh, probably this week. Uh, maybe early next week. Who knows? Uh, we know Tesa is going to be leading – or not Tesa. Uh, Kaya. I don't know why those names – I'm mixing up those names. I mean, Kaya is going to be leading the Orzov. We talked about Tesa. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Dovin Bon is going to be leading the Azorius. And so we have Dovin's new card, which is Dovin Grand Arbiter. Now, he's, of course, a blue-white planeswalker. And the number one fear that a lot of people have had with you know with Azorius being in this set is that the most powerful planeswalker in standard right now is Teferi. Arguably, he's the best planeswalker in modern as well. And R&D and play design was very, very cognizant of Teferi's power level when making this set. So they wanted to make sure that Azorius didn't play too well with Teferi, which is a weird tension you might think from a design team because they didn't they wouldn't want to make it so that, you know, Teferi suddenly gets way better. And there's some cards that do make Teferi way better. Dovin is not one of them. It's probably one of those things they had, you know, they did did Dominaria, finished it, locked the file, and they're like, Oh, we have to do a blue white set coming up. <laughs> well, according to I believe it was either Melissa or Paul, they were streaming together on the R and D channel, um, and they said that they were watching Teferi in standard very very closely while they were designing Ravnica Allegiance. So yeah, so like that gives you an idea. Like they were still building this set while that's they're finishing this setup, mm-hmm. which is great and fine. Because anyway, what does he do? So he is a legendary planeswalker Dovin. He starts at three loyalty and he costs one white blue. And here's the thing: remember, kids, three mana planeswalkers always see play. Three mana planeswalkers are almost always good. Sarkin, the three mana Sarkin, he saw play. Jace has seen play sideboard card in blue white in the mono blue tempo decks, but he has seen play. So three mana planeswalkers always see play. So anyway, three loyalty plus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a loyalty counter on Dovin Grand Arbiter. So you plus one goes to four, and then depending on how many creatures you have, which could be some, could be none, you may get more loyalty. That's nice. Minus one, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. You gain one life. Hey, it's got protection. 
Yeah, it does. It doesn't destroy anything, but it does give you something to block with. Yeah. And then minus seven is look at the top ten cards of your library. Put three of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is a super dig through time. Yeah, dig through time on steroids. And it's the goal with Dovin is to plus one to four, hit with a bunch of dudes to pump it up to like seven, plus it up again, just get it completely out of range of, you know, dying at any given point in time. Minus seven, seven it down to like three or four and just start going all over again with it. Yeah. So Dovin is trying to incentivize a blue-white tempo deck, which does play weirdly if you're also trying to play with Teferi, because Teferi is very much a control card. He is not a tempo card in the least. Which um, I'm, I'm so incredibly happy this is more tempo-oriented than like control, because, yeah, like you said, they just kind of butt heads a little bit with what their goals are at the exactly. card, what it's trying to do. And a tempo deck, the biggest problem with tempo decks is usually how are they getting back the cards that they spend because they're using all their cards to keep their opponent off their toes and eventually your tempo deck is going to run out of cards you know i could but i could if you're able to hit with dovin a bunch and uses minus seven several times hopefully then you're 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 basically drawing three cards then you get your draw step for your next turn to help make sure that your opponent is off balance like bant tokens could be a thing uh mono the mono blue shitters deck pushing into blue splashing white if that wants like you could even play just guys so that you can get access to you know very like aggressive red cards like some like play tajik with dovin or whatever you know there's definitely there's avenues of play with dovin that you can get access to because you are trying to play fast and as opposed to to fairy who's gonna be like guys listen you need to you know, slow it slow down I'm, i might have to ask you to stop yeah exactly but yeah, no, this is a, and also we, again, just have to mention the perfect mana base that's going to exist. It's just yeah. disgustingly gross and great. And I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to seeing what people who are going to want to delve deeper into those crazy brews are going to produce because we're probably going to get some spice. Oh yeah. But now <laughs> here's my favorite card that I've seen so far. <laughs> this is so weird. Hydroid Crisis. Remember, my first commander deck ever was Voral of the Hulklade. So I love me some Simic cards. I especially love me some plus one, plus one counters cards. Hydroid Crisis is X blue green for a zero zero jellyfish Hydra Beast at Mythic. It's not. It has flying and trample, and there's the battlefield unless it's got three names in the type line. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a fly. It has flying trample, and there's the battlefield with X plus one, plus one counters on it. That's not the cool part. When you cast this spell, you gain half X life. And draw half X cards round down each time. So really, you want to be paying even amounts of mana for this. Otherwise, you're paying one more mana for no value. Yeah. So you're basically want so to if you pay, pay yeah, four. if you pay five blue green, you're only drawing two and gaining two. So you want to pay those even numbers: two, four, six, whatever. And it's just hilarious because you're gonna get like you might get a two-two flying trample for four, but you gain two life, draw two cards. Or gain, you gain, gain life, one life, gain draw, one life, draw a card. card. Yeah, but it's it gets better the more non mana you dump into it. Like if you have ramp yeah. or something like that, you're definitely going to want. Yeah, like this is yeah. who you want a ramp payoff. It not only catches you up from behind from control, it also buffers your life total for aggro. Like this card does everything. Oh, absolutely! It's quite quite nice. And uh, yeah, Maro is one who's. Uh, 
gave the world this one. But yeah, next up, yep. we've got a mothership card. That was one of the first ones we got um, with just probably one of the greatest uh, semi-canon arts I've seen. Semi-canon has been like, – there's another semi-canon art that's been floating around. The card's actually going to be previewed. I'm going to put this up on Friday, uh, January 4th. Um, Vorthos Mike is going to preview it on CoolStuffInc.com, and you should go check it out. And that art also looks fantastic. Uh, but Bedevil – has one of Seb McKinnon's, I think, greatest pieces he's done. Yeah. Uh, it's And so, what does Bedevil So Bedevil's do? a black, black, red, so definitely Rakdos. Instant rare. Destroy target artifact creature or planeswalker. Bam. It's very straightforward. It is, like, upgrade to Terminate. Mm-hmm. And it's an upgrade to, it's an upgrade to Dreadbore. Upgrade to Putrefy. Different it's colors, different color scheme. Also, Heroes, uh, oh, what's the one? Heroes Downfall. Heroes Downfall. downfall. Yeah. It, it it's very hard to cast, but it's but it's gonna be very very good if you are able to cast. This. I love the fact it hits artifacts, creatures, and planeswalkers because usually you don't see those three combined. You'll see like like you mentioned, you'll see two of the three co- of those combinations. But yeah, now I do love it that since there's only one red mana, that's why it hits artifacts, and the two black mana is creatures or planeswalkers. But yeah, I like that. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Now next is a card that a lot of people, a lot of people, freaked out about. Oh god! And the, I, we mentioned the holidays were quiet, but they technically weren't because people, for at least a couple days, were arguing over whether this card was ridiculous. So, Lavinia Azorius Renegade. Uh, Lavinia, it, as we know, Asperia dies in Guilds of Ravnica block because of Assassin's Trophy. Lavinia is has gone into hiding because Dovin's leading the Azorius and is taking the Azorius in a direction that Lavinia doesn't like. Apparently, she's blue and a white for a two-two human soldier. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana costs greater than the number of lands that player controls. So that means if I'm playing Storm, I can't cast Gifts Ungiven if I only have three lands. If I'm playing Tron, I can't cast Karn Liberated if I only have three lands. Yeah. Like, it's, Which is the it's one. one of those funny things where it's like, oh, you can't cast this, but you know, Tron will survive until it can cast it. Now that said, <laughs> whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. Hey, uh, Mox Opal? Yeah, no. <laughs> Any Moxen countered. Force of Will with its alternate cost paid countered. Any Pact countered. Invigorate like this card, countered. Yeah, this card does a, a lot of very, very powerful things, specifically for older formats. Like in standard, it'll do a couple things. In mo- in modern, it'll be it'll be a very good card. Maybe not ubiquitous, but it'll be a very good card. And Legacy is going to be way better because of Force of Will being a card, especially because this is not symmetrical. This is only your opponents, so you can still pay your, you can still cast your Force of Wills for free. Your opponent can't. But in Legacy, or but in Vintage, I mean, this card's going to be insane. Yeah, it can almost single-handedly shut down Paradoxical Storm. Yeah. Also, let's not forget the fact that you know one of the most important decks in that format is um, Workshops. Yeah. And they're playing three drops off of one land. Well, you play Lavinia, they can't use their Workshops. Yep. Uh, so, so what's kind of funny about this card, and people mentioned it uh, when it came out, is like this is like the single-handedly most Azorius card ever because it's like no, 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 play, play by the rules, stop breaking magic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like play fair. Don't, don't, don't do that. Stop cheating. <laughs> it's not cheating if I'm doing the game in the ways it's designed. Exactly, but yeah, it's it's very much a very it's a very cool card. Um, the alternate art for game day looks amazing. So, yeah, so John, this next one seems very much your kind of thing. So, it is. Tell us about it. <laughs> so, Light Up the Stage 
is two and a red for a sorcery at uncommon. This is also one of the FNM promos. It has spectacle for red. Uh, and so as we mentioned, spectacle is an alternate cost you can pay if someone lost life, if your opponent lost life this turn. But what Light Up the Sage does is exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. This is a card that for a little bit before I learned what Spectacle did, I thought that maybe, maybe it'd be good enough for Storm. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get there. Um, now, remember but, it says end of your next turn. So yes. It's not just this turn. Yeah, you can you get to hold them on layaway for an additional turn cycle. I think this card is going to be amazing and limited. I think it's going to be a big role player in standard, uh, especially for any sort of aggressive red decks. Because um, like if you flip two lands, play a land, then next turn you get to play another land for free or whatever it may be. So I think that this card is going to be very, very good. This is also kind of, I mean, it kind of doesn't really combo with, you know, Experimental Frenzy in that you're going to cast those cards anyway off the top. But yeah, it's still kind of fun. But it, it does, it does get, it can get some cards off the top for Frenzy. Like if you see a land on top, you cast this, you pitch a land, something else. And if you want that something else, you can still play yeah. it. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Next card on the list is a card that I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put it in my cube. Uh, but the card is Growth Spiral. Ian, what does Growth Spiral do? So Growth Spiral is a it's another semi-kin in art, but it's a Simic green blue, or green blue instant at common. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So remember that ramp I was talking about? Bam. Yeah. Ramp and replaces itself. It's kind of like Explore, except you draw the card first. Yeah. Which, a little see, bit. Well, you draw the card and then hope that you so it's not explore because explore says you may play another land and that wouldn't work on an instant right but so. this is something where you can do that on your opponent's end step <laughs> mm-hmm. you can hold up your syncopate for one if your opponent doesn't do anything you want to counter you just grow spiral instead. yeah draw a card play another land next thing you're at four mana and you're like oh that syncopate's looking better exactly also this could get really really dumb with stuff like scape shift it certainly can. You know, helping ramp is something that deck wants to do anyways. It's yeah. it's it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, this might be like the single reason why we might not see Farseek. Yeah. Uh, seeing something like Growth Spiral is like, oh, okay, we get this instead of Farseek. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's our cheap little uh, ramp common. Mm-hmm. But speaking of reprints. Yeah. We have two big high-profile reprints. Um, one of them is a FNM promo, which is Mortify. Uh, one white black instant at uncommon destroy target creature or enchantment, which is a very good card. We saw Putrefy in the last Ravnica block. We got Mortify in this Ravnica block. So, so far batting 100 for putting at least one of these two in any Ravnica block. Yeah. Um, but the other one that got a lot of people up in arms yeah, but, is Absorb. And this card is the one that everyone just like, either you think it's just utter crap or you're like, no, this card is like actually really good. We've been conditioned that life gain is bad, which in this case, it's not. Yeah. Um, Absorb is the white, blue, blue, instant at rare, counter target spell. You gain three life. This is its introduction to modern. Mm, yeah. It was part of a cycle from invasion block with undermine, uh, suffocating blast, and mystic snake. Yeah. So honestly, I think the biggest takeaway is what you just said. It's now in modern. Yeah. Now, is this going to be good in modern? Don't really know. You know the the level the high, the power level for modern counter spells right now is cryptic command logic knot maybe mana leak every once in a while spell snare it's it's one of those like things, how important things do you think blue white and modern will play maybe two of these 
I guess it maybe one. It depends. You know, it all depends on whether or not the modern, the blue white control player wants to hold up three mana to counter a spell and gain three life. Because in some decks, that three life is massive. Like against burn, this card is just, you know, if you get to, if you get the chance to cast it, it's just amazing. Cause it's like counter your burn spell and I basically counter your next burn spell by gaining three yeah, life. Yeah. Like someone um, said, it's like, I counter this burn spell and counter your next lava spike. Yeah. That said, is it also is it good against other decks like that kill you all in one go, like KCI or Storm or whatever? You know, it depends. So it it we'll see probably a modicum of modern play, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's I'm happy it's a thing. I made sure I picked up some of my old school copies of it um, yeah. when I got uh, previewed. But uh, this next card, I know. We're kind of running out of time, but I know you definitely want to talk about this because in, yeah, in the pre-show this notes... This is definitely a card that I want to get to. In the pre-show notes, uh, Gavin Verhey unveiled this card today, but uh, Evan Irwin... Well, let's talk about the okay, card. Let's we'll talk about the card. So, Ravager Worm is a three green... Or three red, green, green uh, mythic worm. That's a four, five with Riot. So, again, enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one, plus one counter or haste. So, it's either a four, five haste or a five, six haste for six mana no five, five six, six. Uh, no haste oh five six no haste yeah four five haste five six uh when ravager worm enters the battlefield choose up to one ravager worm fights target creature you don't control or destroy target land with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability so quick thing mana activated land with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability are abilities that don't make mana so detection tower as canter the sunken ruin literally all those don't have mana literally abilities. all of the flip lands from no growing rights of itlamok has two mana abilities oh okay so not all most yes i would agree with most. okay right i forgot about that being a yeah anyway making mana is the requirement to be right a it was ability. a fixed yeah the fixed guy's cradle yes anyway Correct. uh so Evan Irwin today mentioned that this card almost just shows, hey, look, we're looking at best of one. And John was like, and so, you were like, and I'm like, save it for the show, John. Save it for the show. Yeah. Now, go. And I was, but. Go. So here's the thing. So the big thing right now in Arena, and I've tweeted about it personally as well, especially in deal- talking with people like Blake and Saffron Olive and a little bit to Evan, is that the latter in Arena is best of one games, not best of three games. Um, and what I mean by ladder is the competitive rank up mode. You play a game, you win, you get some, you know, you go gain some experience points, you lose, you lose some experience points and you rank up. If you hit a certain threshold within your rank, there's four ranks in each of the five categories of bronze, silver, gold, diamond, mythic, diamond, no platinum, mythic, excuse me, gold, platinum, mythic. Now there was already a, a part of the M files for guilds of Ravnica where they talked about goblin crater maker, which is one in a red un, at uncommon to two, two. It says, um, pay one and sacrifice it, deal two damage to target creature or destroy target Carlos permanent. And that was supposed to be the heralding of this new idea of making cards better for best of one formats so that you don't have a card that's just dead because it is it only is for this one matchup you know like as an example dispel is a card blue instant counter target instant spell that's a very good sideboard card for control decks and against control decks but you don't really want to be main decking it um and then like goblin crater maker is supposed to show that there's utility of the card outside of whether it's dealing with a creature or if it's dealing with an artifact or an ember or an emerald or whatever and then evan has been want to point out this a lot of times for a lot of different cards 
because there's definitely more cards than just Ravager Worm that have multiple choices. Because by the way, Ravager Worm is technically Worm Command because you get you get four choices. You can either get a haste and fight, haste and destroy a land, counter and haste, counter and destroy a land. So you, it's kind of a command. Yeah. But the the point is that just because we're give, that Wizards is giving players more choices does not imply that they're designing these cards strictly for best of one. And, you know, there's been at least there's been one event that's not gone on already, which was the um Twitch rival stream, which had its own issues, primarily one of not having best of three challenge mode, but it played it as best of three. And then if instead you want to look at the upcoming Mythic Championship, which is going to be in Cleveland, that I 100% assure you is going to be also be best of three. Granted, it's also going to be Paper Magic instead of Arena, but whatever. The point is, just because cards are giving us more options does not necessarily correlate to Wizards prioritizing best of one designs. Wizards has already admitted to, to favoring best of one in their design process. Or at least being but, aware of and designing with it in correct. mind. Correct. Correct. But that doesn't mean that they're gonna that they're like wholesaling, you know, getting rid of, you know, best of three. Um, now, yes, the player of the year playoff was basically a series of best of ones. It was basically the Hearthstone competitive format where they you bring a bunch of decks with different heroes. You get to ban one of your opponent's heroes, they ban one of yours, and you play with the three remaining decks. First player to win with all three of their decks wins. I do not think personally that that's the direction that Wizards is going to go. They're still going to support best of three. Best of one works better for a ladder because you can play it faster. You can get through games faster. You can experience more different decks faster. And it's just way easier because I will guarantee you that outside of actual tournaments, a lot of the magic I play is best of one. Like whenever I was playtesting for the RPTQ or for the PPTQ or for the other RPTQs, we were mainly playing just heads up games, best of ones, like, you know, playing without sideboarding. And, and that's how most people play magic anyways like you don't play commander as best of no, three and when you're also and two headed giants best of one because otherwise it would take way too long uh exactly but also gold fishing against yourself you're you, yeah. you might sideboard in some stuff to test a sideboard but like you're like oh let me goldfish against this unknown opponent who's you don't know what your opponent's playing you, you have to kind of like yeah. sec- guess like okay i guess in this case yeah this creature will die so yes ravager worm does have Basically, four separate abilities that are good versus control, and or two abilities that are good versus control, two abilities that are good versus aggro decks. And yes, Ravager Worm, put a counter on it, fight, kills a Niv-Mizzet. Yes, Ravager Worm, no counter, blow up heroes, can't attack for four is also really good. It's it's a but to, it's an incredibly versatile card. It is very very versatile. It's very very good. And but you but I don't think that the logical leap that Evan primarily has been the for, has been the flag bearer of. Of they're they're giving us more choices as players, therefore Wizards is prioritizing best of one gameplay is correct. I think that that is a that is a conclusion that you can draw, and I'm not saying that he's I'm saying that he's wrong for going to the lengths he's going with that claim. I do not think that that is this is the end line. Again, one of his claims that he mentioned was the choice was that you know, we're getting way more choice cards. Cube April responded to him. This was this was a couple of weeks ago. That you know we had way more choice cards during Kansa Tarkir standard because of the charms and because of the Fate Reforged focus on having choices, and that we're actually at a relatively low point for cards that give us different choices when they resolve, whether it's creatures like Ravager Worm or modal spells. Yeah. And like and the sieges it's, all had two choices. You can make exactly. Yeah. So I I 
I just think that the that the jump that he's making needs a few more steps to get there. I think that Magic Wizards may eventually decide that yeah, best of one is the best way to go, but I think that best of one is a is a good measure for casual play. I don't think it's a good measure for competitive play, and I know a lot of people agree with me there. But I think that the conclusion that Evan is drawing is a step too far. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very valid and fair counterpoint. Um, it's definitely a case where they have to balance it between, you know, acknowledging, like you said, best of one is exist. It, it has to exist now because that's how they're playing things on Arena right now. Um, whether it yeah. changes, who knows? But until that day... We got to at least deal with the fact that, yes, cards have to be designed to have some flexibility in a best of one format so it's not a just straight up dead card. Exactly. So I think that's going to do it for this. We'll talk a lot more about Ravnica Allegiance previews next week. There's a couple more. Man, there's a couple that I really want to talk about, but we just don't have the time. We can can save it for next weekend. I'm sure you all missed us. Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back um we'll just we'll just need to get better at budgeting our time again <laughs> because we could literally talk about these for hours i'm oh sure oh my gosh yeah we're not gonna do a set review don't ever expect us to do a set review <laughs> but what if we did a live streamed one we would need a patreon and monetary backing <laughs> at that point so maybe in the future if that ever happens i would con- i okay, would consider so i'm not saying i'm not Ian. saying no i'm just saying there are conditions that need to be met before we consider something like that that is fair so with that on mind, Ian, if people wanted to get in touch with you, if people want to see you and your lovely streaming face, where can you they do You can so? find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. That's D-I-X. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at DixonIJ. Now, uh, I tweeted this the other day uh, when we were recording yesterday, but mentioning recording today. Cool meta thing, whatever. Anyway, uh, I'm going to be working on a project coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh as everyone knows, moderating chats is kind of my thing. Um, I have major thoughts and opinions, capital T, capital O, underlined, italicized thoughts and opinions on uh, the direction it seems major channels and magic are going with some of their main things, uh, mainly sub- subscriber-only mode and ter- and some other things too. But I really do want to get the community's opinion and get some other voices besides just me on this and uh this is the first i'm announcing it here but also i'll tweet out uh, i want to hear from you the fine folks my dms are open on twitter and such you can also dm the podcast and if you have if you want to talk to me about it i want to you know, maybe reach out maybe get some either text-based or record some audio with you uh, regarding what your thoughts and opinions are on twitch chats where they where they've been where they are where they could go what you like what you don't like what and everything basically in between uh namely in subscriber only mode because i've seen a lot of people like no actually i like this i'm happy it's subscriber only and i'm like so i want counterpoints so give me counterpoints give me same point of view i just want that differing opinion uh i i need it um and i would love to do and i'm going to do a nice big piece it might span a couple episodes where i might just remove it wholly from the podcast and do kind of a splinter uh multi-part bit on it so yeah need your help great so john what about you you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 that's jwiley129 i'm also on twitch at the same handle if you see me floating around any of the twitch chats don't hesitate to say hi 
Uh, I've been trying to been, be up to date with the previews on the podcast Twitter, um, as well as with a couple of questions of my own, um, just to make sure that, you know, we're keeping up to date. There are a couple that I know that I was a little slow on recently, but I'm trying to be better about oh, it. Also, we now, should say a side note. We don't have a preview card this preview season. Yeah, we don't have a preview card. We really love the one for Guilds of Ravnica. We didn't get one this time. We look forward to future preview cards that we get to share with you all, our lovely yes. viewers. Now, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can shoot us an email at eyesandthemise at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at eyesandthemise, both of which would be great ways of getting in touch with us and Ian for his future topic on chats and chat moderations. Uh, if you And that's also the best way that you can get in touch with us so we can give you back our feedback or give us feedback on how we can best improve the podcast for all of you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.